All right, are we ready? Ready. All right, I knew it. Well, look, we're really excited to have Levi with us today. He's here visiting from Portland. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Kim and Levi were elders here at Christ Center for years and also the worship leader for, do we want to use numbers, for a long season, long beloved season. We're so happy to have you visiting today, Levi. We love you. And I asked Levi if he would just pray over the word, so... Hey, really good to be with you. My wife's not here. She's in Texas uh, visiting family, and so I thought, well, I'm not going to stay in Portland alone. I'm going to come down and uh, see my family, and uh, it's really good, I want you to know, to be, uh, to be worshiping in the same room with multiple generations, and, uh, and I've, I've enjoyed that. I uh, love coming from wonderful heritage of my mom and dad, and and then seeing it uh, continue to, to be a good thing. So uh, really good to be here with you. I want to pray for Jason, not because he needs prayer. and In fact, he does, but that's not the reason I want to pray. How many of you know that uh, Jason is a good speaker? Amen. Amen. He, he's got skills, right? How many of you know that's not enough? It's really not enough. Uh, how many of you are football fans? Yeah? Okay. So I'm going to give you a little football analogy, okay? Uh, the quarterback is a pretty important um, position in the game, right? Uh, and without that quarterback, uh, it'd be a, a rough go. But that quarterback isn't enough. Here's our quarterback this morning. He's got to be able to see on the sideline or hear in his headset if he's playing in the NFL, which I think he's probably playing in the NFL because he's that good. He's got to hear the play. He's got to have the inspiration. He's got to hear from the coach what it is that he needs to deliver. And, and that's two pieces of the pie. Um, but the third one, it's a big pie. There's only three pieces in it. The third one is that he's got to have a receiver. And that receiver can't just go down the field and do whatever he wants to. The receiver has to be in the right place at the right time so that he can deliver, so he can receive the inspiration that that quarterback delivers. We can't be passive players in this game because it's not a game at all. We need to be in the position where we're doing our part or the inspiration that is sent to the quarterback is not delivered anywhere. It's an incomplete pass. So we have to understand our responsibility in it. We all have responsibility in it. The Father has responsibility in sending that inspiration did you get some? Okay, so uh, we'll see you next week. Josh has a really good word on Cuba. So the Lord has sent that inspiration, and he's going to pass the ball, and it's our job to have our hearts in that, in that position of, of receptivity. Worship helps in that, um, but our hearts being in the right place is ex extremely important as well. So would you raise your hands and... and forward them in this direction, and, uh, and then put one hand on your heart at the same time. Lord, we thank you that you have delivered inspiration to Pastor Jason. We are confident that your word is as strong and powerful as it ever has been, and that there will be new revelation that we have the opportunity to receive. We just want to lift Pastor Jason up to you and say, Lord, uh, as, this, as the ball snaps and things unfold, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give him that, that specific direction on how to deliver 
the message that you have provided for him. And then, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We put a hand on ourselves saying, Lord, put our hearts in that place to receive what it is that you're going to deliver through Pastor Jason. And we believe that as that happens, Lord, um, we're going to satisfy your plan for us today in not only hearing what it is that, that you have spoken, but also receiving it in a way that we can turn and head toward the end zone. And so we, we ask for your Holy Spirit to cover that entire process, and we thank you for our pastor who has heard and has been diligent, and now we set our hearts to, to hear what it is that you have to say through him. And we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. Doesn't it just feel right and good to have football analogies in this house? We can explain that to you afterwards, Pastor. <laughs> I kid because I love. We missed you. We missed you right there. I want to introduce one more person um, this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm really blessed to, to have friends as I've moved all around in different places to have made some, some dear friends. And the, the problem with that is then you have to leave those friends and not see them again for a long time. And occasionally, they come and visit you. And one of my, my best friends that I've ever had um, uh, uh, is here, BJ Chastain from Minnesota. Can you stand up? Just stand up. I want, yeah. He actually, we go, we go way back, um, as my dad was pastoring a church in Minnesota, and then we ended up leaving, and, and uh, he was an incredible faithful and loyal man in the church um, as a lot of stuff was, was tearing at the seams. So he, uh, he's stepped in and, and been a, a pastor after a church split, which was very difficult. And he's an incredibly faithful man. He's also the most stubborn individual I've ever met in my life. But, uh, <laughs> but he's awesome, so it's great to have him here. Every, my kids are all saying, I haven't seen Dad so happy in a long time, and I, I, I feel that way. So um, Anyway, so this morning I want to... Um, I want to talk about dreaming, and I want to, um, to, to recap and, and let you behind the curtain on some things here. Um, last week, we talked about this, the definition of humanism, uh, the end of all being is the happiness of man. Remember, we showed those Oprah sleeves again from Starbucks and, and saw the edited versions of, of those, which uh, I still love. Um, and uh, I, I want to, uh, uh, to, to tell you how I have a tendency to play, uh, uh, well, we'll just extend the football analogy, to, to have, uh, uh, you know, the term Monday morning quarterback? You know, you're second guessing all the stuff from yesterday's game. Well, I do that on Sunday afternoon, which the analogy breaks down, uh, but uh, Sunday afternoon quarterback is what I can tend to play after I give a sermon. And um, I, I'm thinking back at, at, did I just deliver this thing? Did, did they hear this? I hope they didn't hear this. And, and uh, so last week, I was, I was doing that. Last week, and, and you know, sometimes my wife has to just smack me out of it or something. But I was playing a little Sunday afternoon quarterback because um, particularly when we're talking about issues of surrender and issues of dreaming, I'm always sensitive afterwards. And there's a reason for that because these two things can seem to come at odds. And if you overemphasize one, you end up uh, in a ditch, as Pastor Joshua would say. If you overemphasize the other, you can end up in a ditch. And I was thinking last week as I walked away, and we talked about not being a humanist, that, that that's not true. The end of all being is not the happiness of man. It's the glory of God. 
If that's the only thing you ever emphasize, though, as some, some do, you could end up almost like these masochists, like God wants us to be miserable kind of thing, and like, and like dreaming is bad. And I walked away going, I hope I, didn't, I hope I didn't convey that dreaming was a bad thing, because I believe that the Lord gives us dreams, and dreaming is a really good thing. There's just an order. And, I, and much of this has to do with motives. And I, and I just felt like I wanted to talk about motives this morning to, to try to clarify uh, uh, some of this and, and to set us free to be able to dream the way he's called us to dream. Does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, I, the book of Job starts out with this very interesting scene, and then it goes off into all kinds of different things. It goes off into poetry, theology, and models of terrible friendship. If you want to know how to be a bad friend, read the book of Job. <laughs> and when your friend is suffering, you can come and blame him through theology. And, anyway, but it's easy to lose sight of the whole point of the book, which was this first scene. Here's the scene. The Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. He's blameless, an upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job, have, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Oh, sure, you've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions. You've increased uh, in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. This is a challenge. And here's what Satan is saying. Sure, you bless him. Or sure, he loves you because you bless him. Sure, he follows you because you give him good stuff. And at the end of the day, everybody's just a humanist. You see that? At the end of the day, he's using you to get to the happiness of man. At the end of the day, everyone is a humanist. And God says, you want to bet? And the rest of the book unfolds. And you see what happens if God takes away the blessings. And if calamity comes over him in, in an extreme way, will he turn on God? And guess what? He never does. Now, this might be the oldest, a lot of experts say this is the oldest piece of literature we have in the Bible. And I find that pretty cool to think that one of the first things that God wanted us to know was that we could serve him with pure motivations that you don't have to be a humanist. Isn't that a good thing? That you can serve God without it being about you. Isn't that cool? Now, the reason this is a tricky, it's tricky not to be a humanist, and here's the reason why. It's because God does indeed bless us. Do you know what I mean? He does. How many of you guys have been blessed by the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And... It's not just that he blesses you, it's that he tells you he's going to bless you, and then he does. So it's difficult then to, to talk about laying your life down when there's still blessing coming in, when he's telling you that. I don't know if you've uh, felt this, but here's, here's the way, as, as I've for years taught on surrender and obedience and lordship, being our first priority and lifting up Jesus and glory. Uh, sometimes I feel like this. I feel like saying, let's lay our lives down in, in, in my own heart as I'm talking to God. God, I want to lay myself down. Lord, just take me. Take all of me. Take everything. I'll be miserable for the rest of your life because you, for the rest of my life because you deserve everything. I give it to you. And I feel like the Lord says, good, good, thank you. But I'm going to bless you. No, God, no, no. No! 
I don't need that. I'm trying to, I just want to bless your heart. So Lord, even the, the blessings you give me, I lay down and I set them on the altar, oh God. And he says, thank you. And you won't believe the way I'm going to bless your socks. No, stop it, God. I am trying not to be a humanist, so please. <sighs> now let me, let, you know, this is a cycle, and it's difficult because there are so many verses in the Bible about how he's going to bless us. And guess what? He does. And we come into this place feeling empty, and we get a word like this morning, and then suddenly it goes, and you go, oh, that's right. That's why I'm alive. And the Holy Spirit just blew through my heart. And now I'm like, I remember the reason why I get up every morning. And this is a wonderful thing. And he, he comes and renews me again. But it's not about that. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? This is why it's tricky. It's tricky to live and it's tricky to preach. Because both of these are so true. Now, on the one hand, we, we've, we've got two different things. Now, now, now just, just look at this. On the one hand, we need to praise God for everything, Right? And on the other hand, we receive his blessings. Okay, all right. On the one hand, it's total surrender. And on the other hand, total freedom. Wait, these are both good. Okay, all right, well. On the one hand, we're going to die to self. On the other hand, we're dreaming with God. Wait a minute, dreaming? No, Lord, I lay down my dreams. On the one hand, we sacrifice. On the other hand, we celebrate. On the one hand, we work. On the other hand, we play. Play, you know, isn't a bad thing. Oh, it can seem that way. Lord, no, Lord, I, I will just work. I will spend myself. And the Lord says, how about a holiday? Do you know, <laughs> all the feasts that are in the Old Testament, they're not supposed to be these like ultra solemn things. Now we come and we give thee a feast. It's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be a party. And it's days of eating and feasting. And yes, praying. But it's remembering and celebrating. How many of you guys have been to, to uh, our, our seders the last couple of years? He, I, when Jason Vaughn is up here, I, 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 he, was, he was explaining um, the, the way they do seders. He was raised in a Jewish household. They, they, would, do, they would do seders. And, and they would, you know, he, he's talking about how these were supposed to be for, for the family, particularly for the children, to remember the goodness of God. And the thing that all of us seem to always remember from, from these is, is when they, you know, they would sing the song in Hebrew and go, Amen. And him and his brothers used to always go, Oh, yeah. And there is something about that that like broke something in me. I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't about solemnity. This is about celebration. It's remembering how God broke his people out of the worst circumstances and brought them into freedom. And there's celebration there, and that's what he intended. He gave the feast so there could be celebration. He intends for us to play, not only work. But Lord, I'm trying to, ah! Yeah, on the one hand, delight yourself in the Lord, only in the Lord. On the other hand, he will give you the desires of your heart. You can't get away from it. You see what I'm saying? On the one hand, glorify God. On the other hand, enjoy him forever. <laughs> That's the chief end of man. As in the Westminster Catechism, which I think is a beautiful description of the chief end of man. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Seek first the kingdom. Yes, the kingdom. And all these things will be added. Okay. Do you see what I'm talking about here? I want to have right motivations. I want to lift up the Lord. <sighs> So does that mean I can't dream anymore? Because there's something here. All right. I don't want to belabor the point. 
Here's the thing. You were meant to dream. You were meant to have goals. He's given you talents and giftings and passions for a reason. For a good reason. You were meant to lay those things down because he's worth it all. You were meant to continue to dream, to dream dreams that align with his dreams. And that, friends, I think is, is the difference. When our church was uh, formed back in 1975, this word was given. August 6, 1975 by Noel Campbell. It was Noel Campbell, right? Noel Campbell gave uh, uh, this, this word from the Lord. And 20 years later, um, it was, uh, this uh, was commissioned. And I, I want to read this to you. Many of you guys are familiar with this, uh, but uh, a lot of us weren't here in 1995 when this was commissioned, so you might not know this. Um, but here's what he said, and this has been very much a rudder throughout the years for Christ Center. Now, here, here was the word. I don't want just another body formed here. I want self-desires and self-wills dead. Love for men's souls, peace for their lives, joy for their spirits are my desires. This will come by submission by you and wisdom from me only. If you will give yourself totally, you will be usable by me. I will build my church, not you. Isn't that a powerful word? Now, I want you to think about this. This church has done a lot of stuff. This isn't a very big church. You notice that? We're not that big. But there's been a whole lot that the Lord's allowed us to do. And do you know the reason for that? Because people have, dream, have been willing to dream with God. I think of all the stuff that Pastor John initiated. And, all the other, and it's not just Pastor John. We see what Herb initiated in, in Russia. And the Lord gives you, so I, I, I've given you a dream here. I want you to go and do this thing. And, and he just goes. And look what's happened since then. The incredible legacy of ministry that's been left there and the thousands of people that have been touched. I think of the, 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 uh, uh, the trips to Central America, the soccer uniforms, the, the troops. I, I think of what's happening right now in Cuba. What a ridiculous dream this is that Pastor John has had. It's so ridiculous. I want to go down into the, the, the <laughs> communist nation in the Western Hemisphere, the one place that has been persecution for decades and decades, and we're going to have a crusade there. And we're going to bring in the biggest evangelist in the country to proclaim the goodness of God right where Fidel Castro stands. What a, what a dumb dream, isn't it? But guess what? It's God's dream. He's dreaming. It, you see what I'm saying? There, there's a difference here. I want self-wills dead. Self-wills dead. I want uh, uh, self-desires dead. When that happens, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> By the way, the suggestion was made this morning that anytime we need to make a decision, we flip this. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Um, when self-desires are dead, something happens. When you're willing to lay down the things that you want for yourself, something happens. You see, God can replace those things. He replaces them with something even more potent, even more beautiful, even more desirable. So here we have Pastor John, a man of many skills. He could have done many things throughout his lifetime, but what does he do? He laid himself down and said, Lord, I want to dream with you. So self-will dies. 
self-desire dies. The desire to be a celebrity dies. And those who have heard uh, some of his testimony know that's something that the Lord spoke very clearly to Pastor John years ago, that if you are willing to be anonymous, I can use you for so many things. In other words, don't lift yourself up. If you lay yourself down, then we can dream things that you could not possibly imagine. Do you see the difference? One kind of dreaming says this. It's my dream to be amazing. (laughs) For everyone to tell me how awesome I am every day. I'm the guy. Another kind of dream is this. What the kingdom of God means, what Jesus calls for, we're going to do. Do you see the difference? You see, one over here is self-centered. It's so obvious, isn't it? And you know what? In the end, it's an empty dream. You guys, as I was walking around praying this way, I was thinking about, I was thinking about Robin Williams, the comedian who recently committed suicide, and you're thinking, it's so sad. I don't, in any way, want to hammer on, on, on him. It, to me, it's just a tragedy. This man had an unbelievable gift from the Lord, one of the, the most intense and, and striking gifts that, that I had ever seen. He had more praise. He had won more awards, universally recognized as one of the funniest and most gifted men on the planet. He was wealthy, He had everything he could ever want. In the end, he was so empty, he couldn't live anymore. He couldn't bear it. And what a tragedy that is that we try to fill up our hearts with self-desires and self-dreamed dreams. And in the end, they're just not enough. They're just not enough. Robin Williams is not alone. How many billionaires get to the top and realize, I've been dreaming for this my entire life, and there's nothing there. I'm so empty. I climbed the ladder all the way to the top, and there's nothing up there. I've tried to fill it up with wealth. I've tried to fill it up with pleasure. I've filled it up with with reputation, all these things, and I'm still empty. That's because your dreams were never meant to be dreamed for you. And how much different is it If you can recognize from the beginning, I'm laying myself down. And Lord, not my will, but yours, because you're the king. I don't want to be the king, but Lord, I'm a prince in your kingdom. I'm a princess in your kingdom. And if that's the case, then when I dream, I want to dream things that are already in alignment with what you want. Now, Now, here's where it gets super cool. Get this, all right? Get this. God's not a tyrant. That means you, come, you lay your life down and you come and, and, and you've, got, you've got ideas, you've got creativity, you've got beautiful passions and giftings, you've got all these things. Now, you might think you get to this point and now it becomes, yes, sir, because I've submitted myself. Now, go talk to Awino. Oh, Lord, but it's such a sacrifice because Awino, he's so mean. Have you noticed that about Awino? He never smiles He's always angry. He's thro- he always throws things at me when I preach, but okay, Lord. Hello, Owino. Wonderful to see you this morning, brother. You owe me. <laughs> you might think it's that way, that the Lord now has to give you step by step for everything, and you're so limited in what you can do, but here's the thing that's not true. The Lord 
gave you those things for a reason because he expects you now, we, your, your heart's aligned with him to follow and to create as you go. See, he's a creator and you're a creator. And he does want you to have that liberty to see, oh my goodness, it's a wino. It's my dear friend, a wino. Hey, brother, hey, good to see you. Now, so I, I'm gonna tell you, I don't think God just told me to do that. I just love him and I wanna go give him up. See that? Now, it's a simple thing, but some people think that submission means that that's all it is. That's all it is from here on out. Now I'm just a drone. Whatever you say, Lord, I shall do. And he's not. You know what happens when you give yourself to him? You become more alive than you ever were before. Isn't that cool? Now, one quick biblical example, all right? I know I've, I've probably given this in here a half a dozen times, but bear with me because I'm going to do it one more time. There's this, this kid this kid whose brothers happen to be troops, and he has to go and bring them supplies. And he's nothing. He's, he, he tends the sheep of the family. It's a big family. So they, he's got to go and bring his brother's supplies to the front lines, and he finds out there's no battle going on. There's a standoff going on. And this army is standing and shaking because somebody's challenged them to single combat, and everyone's too scared to go after him. So these guys are shaking. And this kid, David, comes up, and he sees them shaking. And he says, what is going on? Why aren't you fighting this guy? And his brother said, ixnay on the akite. And he's like, I'm just asking, what's the deal? You're embarrassing me. And then he looks around and goes, so what do you get if you beat him? And they go, what? He said, what do you get if you beat him? The king said you get to marry his daughter. Michael? Because we saw Michael. Yeah. Okay, but anything else? Well, yeah. So why aren't you going after him, he asks. Well, because, I mean, look at him. He's huge. Well, I think this stinks. And I think you're all cowards. And I will go and take him down myself. In fact, I'll go right now. Excuse me. Hey, they're like grabbing him. No, you don't. No, you don't. And they haul him to the king. He goes before the king. Here's King Saul standing and looking at him going, okay, you what? I want to go fight him. You're a shepherd and you're like five. (laughs) He wasn't really five. And he says, yes. I know, but let me tell you something. Once a bear came and attacked the flock, and you know what I did? I beat him with my bare hands, and I killed him. And once a lion came to the flock, and then he left, and you know what I did? I hunted the lion, and I killed him. Now, King Saul's thinking, wait, 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 you hunted a lion? Yeah. Normally, if a lion leaves, you thank Jesus that the lion left. (laughs) Not David. He went after him. And he says, oh, king, if you let me go and fight him, I will take down this big boy because he is insulting the armies of the living God. I think it was at that moment that up in heaven, Michael's up there going, hey, 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 everybody, everybody, come here. You guys got to see this. Come here, come here. Check this out. And they're all listening. They're going, (laughs) did you hear? what? How tall is he? I don't know. He's like 5'6", 130. What? 
Okay, all right, get down there. Get in all of heaven's going, get down there. I don't care where the rock goes. You guide it back. You make sure that gets to its location. You hear, that's going on target. Because the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth that he might find the one whose heart is completely him, his, that he might fully support him. I think heaven looked down and go, check this out. This kid's dreaming in accordance with the dreams of heaven. Because these are the armies of the living God, and God has a plan and a call and a purpose for these guys, and he knows it. And he's willing to put his, his neck in harm's way so that can be accomplished. You know what's fascinating to me? There's no indication that God told David in that moment to go do this. I don't think this was an obedience issue. I don't think it ever was. I think David happened to be a dreamer. And this particular dream, even though it was a dangerous, stupid dream, happened to be in accordance with heavens. And so he's encouraged to run and kill this giant. He's getting down there and he's trash talking the giant. You want some of this? Huh? You want some? And you know. And what does he do? He takes him down. And he becomes king. Now, what if all of us began to dream dreams that had nothing to do with self. What, all, what if all of us began to dream dreams that had nothing to do with, 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 with coming up in higher prestige before our people? Or, or, or with, with having our own financial gain or gaining comfort or all these things that are idols in our culture. You know one of the idols in our culture? Social media. How many people liked the picture that you just posted of your vacation? You know, seriously, people will get that and they'll think, man, oh, look at this. 200 people just like this. <laughs> okay? And all of us can fall prey to that. But these, that's a reputation thing. It's just a pride thing. The, 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 that's what the enemy wants to exalt in this day and age is pride. And you know what? Our culture is kind of obsessed with that kind of thing. Or comfort or material gain. Oh, the new iPhone's out. <laughs> And you guys, in the end of the day, none of it, none of it satisfies. What if we were able to lay all of those things and the obsessions and, and not let them be obsessions and lay ourselves down and say, Lord, I will not let this thing own me. I will not let this thing own me. So not my will, but yours be done. Lord, what is it that you love? What are your desires? And he says here and here, and it's so consistent with scripture. I know it's true. Love for men's souls, peace for their lives. Joy for their spirits are my desires. That's what Jesus desires. It's just a small summation of, of many of the things that are in Scripture. What if we began to set our desires on the things He desires? And you, what, what if we said to Him, Lord, these hang-ups that I have, these tendencies toward pride, toward comfort, toward materialism, all these things, what if I was able to lay these things down and give myself wholly to you? What if this entire city fell in love with Jesus? Can you imagine that? Just dream about what that would be like. What would that look like? Can you imagine reconciliation throughout the community that could spread wider to Eugene? Can you imagine the gentleness, the extensions of forgiveness, the repentance that would spill all over? Can you just imagine what that would be like? What if we loved men's souls? What if we nurtured their spirits to the point that they couldn't get away from the fact there was a God who loved them? It can be that way, friends. It can be that way right in here. I want to dream his dreams too. 
right. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, let's stand up. All right? Lord Jesus, I want to dream your dreams. Search me, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to just come, and we invite you to fill us and to lead us. Lord, help us to lay ourselves down and understand what it means to get up with you. Thank you, Jesus. If you guys have any needs whatsoever, you need to meet this Jesus, you need healing, you need encouragement, please come forward. Prayer servant team will will come up and meet you. In the meantime, I want to encourage you to think, what could it be this week for me? What could this look like for me to lay myself down in a new way and to treasure the things that he treasures. Because I guarantee you, there's a whole lot more in store for you in his kingdom than there is for you, for yourself. Amen? Amen. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you, guys.